0: Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition here on the 440 Sports Network, of course. He is Zach Lyons. I am Braden Gall. And we never take a show off, Zach. We still have lots of content to get to today on the program. Is there a culture problem in the SEC? My One of my favorite cliches in all of sports. We'll get to that. Titans draft needs and how it pairs with the draft board. Always my favorite part of draft conversation is, where do you need players and where is their quality picks later in the draft, which is all about strategy, Zach. It's my fa- one of my favorite things about the NFL Draft. Uh, some Lamar Jackson, uh, maybe some misconceptions, a uh, conversation about him battling with one of the best organizations, front offices in NFL history. Um, what does that mean for everything? we got a bunch of stuff to do today on the show. We will hear from NFL Draft Scout Matt Miller about Ran Carthon and about the idea of trading up for a quarterback, and what does he think about both of those things. So some fun stuff on the show today, brought to you by the Kingston Group, of course. Make sure you check them out. BuildKG.com, our title sponsor, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Don't make any decisions about your house until you talk to the great and wonderful and amazing folks at the Kingston Group. I wonder, like, I feel like, Lamar could use some advice from the Kingston group. He needs someone helping him out with all of this stuff. He could
1: use advice from anyone with half a brain about the (laughs) NFL negotiations because he is making some he's he's made some piss poor decisions that have led him to being franchise tagged and possibly waiting a good bit for uh, a team to be in need of his services.
0: Well, and, and it's funny, like R- Rodgers communicating with the Jets and Derek Carr is signed and Daniel Jones is re-signed and Gino Smith is resigned. Like there's, we're starting to see a clearer picture, of course, of what's going on in Lamar. It's exactly the same place. <laughs> they haven't, yep. they haven't gone anywhere. Um, so we'll get to that. But a lot of Titan stuff today on the show, maybe a little SEC stuff a little bit later on. Again, check out the Kingston group, F-Words Pod, at F-Words Pod on Twitter. You can get to Zach there as well as the show, football and other F-Words. With Mike Herndon every single week, uh, live across all platforms, but also everywhere you get your podcast. So make sure you check that out. And where can they read all your work, Zach?
1: StackingTheInbox.com, $4 a month. I put out a beast of an article about Lamar Jackson. I had to split it into two because it was giving me the warning that, hey, you got too much data on your newsletter. We're going to have to cut it off. And uh, so what that means is, you know, where it <laughs> says, like, you have to load more or open up the email because it's so big in a different file. That's what it was going to be. So I split it up into two. Okay. So it's all I go into all kinds of details about the Lamar Jackson uh, situation that you won't find anywhere else. And tomorrow's the big one, because tomorrow on Friday, I am releasing how the Titans can actually make it work and how it's beneficial to the Titans.
0: Oh, I'm it's surprised actually, you're going that I'm surprised you're going that way but let's let we're going to talk the, about Lamar.
1: I'm just going to say put the numbers together for a contract that would benefit both Lamar and the Tennessee Titans long term. All
0: right, well, we're going to talk about Hire Lamar. A little bit.
1: I guess NFL or NFL teams or the Titans if you, you know, actually want to get some deals done and not be scared of a little money.
0: Um, all right, we're going to talk a little Lamar a little bit later on, so I may we may be picking your brain on what's coming up on stackintheinbox.com, of course, is the website. All right, um, if you want to jump into the comment section, please do. Uh, we've got time to take your questions and your comments today on the show, uh, but let's let's start with sort of, we, we we spent so much time on all the rumors from the Combine, the Derrick Henry stuff, the Jeffrey Simmons stuff, so much, we didn't actually get into specifics of what we learned at the Combine as it pertains to positions of need for the Titans and where is the depth? We kind of touched on it at the end of the show, Zach, a little bit, uh, but I want to spend a little bit more time on it with you today. Um, as I was reading your mock draft, by the way, so if you like, if you like mock drafts, which I do not, I did like yours. I know uh, maybe I'm contractually obligated to say that, but I don't yeah. like mocks. But I thought you did a good job.
1: Um, hey, I, hey, I like son. to provide a little bit more detail into my into these titan centric mock drafts. A lot of people are just like, oh, well, the Titans need a left tackle. This guy's a left tackle. <laughs> like, yeah. I like to provide a little bit more input. So so
0: we'll hear from Matt Miller in just a minute about trading up to number one, which we talked a lot about, of course, on, on Monday's episode, uh, as well as his thoughts on Rand Carthon being a general manager in the NFL, basically, and getting along with Mike Vrabel. So we'll do that in just a second. But as it pertains to this draft class and where the Titans currently sit, which we all know could change, there's all kinds of trades that can happen. So it does, that's irrelevant. But for now, we can only work with the information we've got right now. And coming out of the combine, we have slightly different perceptions, not a lot, but a little bit different perceptions about where there's strength. And I know you and I have kind of even talked about this on the show, that at, at, at first, when, when the draft order was first set and you know the first draft class, we kind of glanced at it in December and January, and we're like, oh, I think I think X, Y, Z position, maybe tackle's a great pick at number 11. Maybe, maybe it's a deep group right there. We're already starting to feel different about the 11th pick now that we're sort of studying the draft class a little bit more. So let's go sort of strategically big picture. It's all about prioritizing your needs with matching it up with the depth of the class. What is the one position in your mind that is like the Titans pick is perfectly situated to fill that need. It could be the fourth round. I guess that's a bad example.
1: (laughs) No, I think the second round, I mean like immediately what popped into my head when you asked that question just now was the second round pick a tight end because in my mind, It feels like that, first off, tight ends historically aren't flying off the board in the first round. And probably with the teams late, with the teams at the top and how they're constructed and the teams at the bottom with how they're constructed, you're talking maybe like one or two tight ends. I think in my mock, I did two tight ends. I had the Saints take Luke Musgrave because of the Bill Musgrave, Dennis Allen connection from their time at Las Vegas or in Oakland. With the Raiders, with Derek Carr, they do need a tight end. So, like, I I put that in there, and then I had Michael Mayer going a little bit higher to, I can't remember which team I put him on, but I had Michael Mayer going up there, too. Which, to me, those are the two guys that have the most first-round buzz. Would I draft Luke Musgrave in the first round? No. Would a team like the Saints, who traded up at one point to get Marcus Davenport in a hilariously stupid move, rely on connections like Bill Musgrave to do that? I could see it like to me, that's where I'm at. And so I look at pick number 41 and I don't care what's happening in the NFL. I don't care what anybody says. If the Titans don't walk away with if he's on the board and the Titans don't walk away with Darnell Washington at pick 41, (laughs) I may fucking riot. Like I will be so upset because he is so perfect. For this team. But I feel like the tight end class is deep anyway. Yep. So, like, if he gets drafted before then, you have guys in, like, the third or fourth round. But, like, the second round is, like, perfect for guy like Darnell Washington, for Dalton Kincaid, maybe even uh, Koontz out of Old Dominion. Like, that is a perfect little round to get yep. a playmaking tight end for your team.
0: I think what makes Washington an interesting fit, oh, by the way, and this is... Not a knock on him. Second best tight end on his own college team. So just think about how Brock Bowers is going to be scouted next right. year when he comes out. <laughs> exactly. um, but I think what makes him interesting.
1: It, I thought it was funny when people called Kyle Pitts generational, when we're just gonna turn right around and call Brock yeah. Bowers generational. Brock Bowers is a better tight end than Kyle Pitts. Just he's like... far no,
0: no, he's he's far more complete um than Kyle Pitts. There's no question. But but gener- from a from a speed athleticism standpoint, they're probably two of the best since like I don't know, Kellen Winslow, Jeremy Shockey era um, yeah. in terms of skill set. Uh, I think Michael Mayer, have seen him go as high as 15 or 16. I think if Michael Mayer's on the board at 24, which he probably won't be, but you've traded back, then maybe you can consider it. Um, I wouldn't take Musgrave in the first round either. I think what makes Washington really interesting, and I like tight end it too, because it's one of the best tight end classes we've seen in recent memory. To a second round for the Titans is that Washington is complementary to Chigaconquo. Mm-hmm. That is the key with Darnell Washington is that he can do some of the things that Chigaconquo cannot, while while not sacrificing any of the ability to be a major red zone target. For example, I mean, just he's a monstrosity. Like he's just he's just a mountain. Um, but he's and, the and able, they create he's,
1: mismatches when they're both on the field. And right. what's great about having Darnell Washington, like you're talking about, is that. Not only can he block and stay in and block, that means you can do more, you're more versatile in your personnel package, which is specifically what the Titans have talked about, right? Yep. They want to do more things from one personnel package. So if he's out in the field, you don't know if they're technically gonna run or if they're technically gonna pass because he is he's just as important. A player of that caliber at tight end is just as important as a second wide receiver for this offense for what this team wants to do. And I think one of the key words that perfectly describes uh Darnell Washington is not just versatile, violent. And I yep. you that's what Mike Vrabel said at the combine. And I feel like out of all the tight ends, he's the most violent with Payne Durham as number two.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with um the slot, the value the target and the need, right? Like that's the, that's the strategy of a, of a great drafting war room or general manager at one. And we touched on this a little bit last week um, because bud Dupree is gone. We're, you know, I, I think corner has got a really good, like there's some really good corners that could be available at 11. There's maybe a couple of, I mean, you had Paris Johnson mocked in your, in your stack in the inbox. I think he's probably the only one. Maybe there's a second one that might be available in terms of left tackle there, but generally that's the, the, The pick. I don't know if this draft is as solid there. It's certainly not as solid at wide receiver at number 11. I don't think there's any value at number 11 to wide receiver. Quinton Johnson
1: keeps dropping down draft boards, which is really weird for someone who was so hyped. But even Matt Miller today, because the big the big thing was Daniel Jeremiah releases top 15 Quinton Johnson dropped is like in the low 20s or the high 20s, I guess, uh, the 27s or whatever. And Matt Miller said he's been there since the end of the season for him. And I'm thinking, I mean, that's not the buzz that you have generated coming out of there. Quentin Johnston was like the number one receiver, and now he's not the number one receiver. And that tells you everything you need to know. About this draft exactly. class at 11. Yep. The,
0: only, the only guy that I have thought is the clear-cut number one receiver in this draft class for most of the season, ironically, even though he didn't play very much, is Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's it. I've, he's the one guy that I think is better than everybody else. Yes. I think the Quentin Johnston love happened because he kind of came out of nowhere during the season and got used in the second half of TCU's run, got a lot of profile, a lot of coverage. He's clearly a physical specimen, but I think he was always talked about as oh, he's a potential first-round pick. But never, I don't like. I think the 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 diehards have always thought Jackson Smith and Jigba is the most complete player who can step in and play right away as a potential number one wide receiver. And so to be
1: honest, I still am not convinced that at number eleven, if you're choosing between Paris Johnson, JSN, that JSN should even be in the conversation. Like I, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying, I, like a I trade back. I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with you on that. I, I yeah. think. Is he? Is there a single guy in this draft that is Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins good? No, there's not. Um, I think he's the best. I think it would be a bit of a reach at 11, 15, 17, 18, trade back and grab him, and he's still there? Hell yeah. yeah. I'm all for it. Um, Offensive line, other than offensive line and corner, is there any other position that you feel like is deep enough that makes, like, again, edge is a great draft, but it also, because it's such a great draft, it also makes a lot of sense at 41 as well in the second round an edge rusher like a Harold Landry is, is going to be available at 41 that could be a great value.
1: Yeah, I, I I think that it's like it goes Paris Johnson, the best quarterback available, the best edge player available, and then another offensive lineman and then like wide receiver. Like that's how it kind of views for me because at this point, I don't yep. think any of the top quarterbacks will be there. And if there is one that's going to be there, it's going to be Will Levis and hashtag never Levis. Um, but... That's kind of where I'm at. Like, to me, if you have to reach because you can't trade back and Paris Johnson's off the board and I, I look at, like, if Nolan Smith is gone, Joey Porter's gone, and Christian Gonzalez is gone, I could be okay with Deontay Banks. Like, I could talk myself into Deontay Banks being a good pickup right there. But, like—
0: Devin Witherspoon?
1: I don't know if, I, if I'm good with Miles Murphy. Like, I don't know yeah. if I'm good with Lucas Van Ness. Like, the edge classes, it's like, for me, it's it's uh, Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson, Nolan Smith, and then everybody else, it, as far as the edge class goes, at number 11. And let's be honest, Will Anderson's more than likely not going to be there. You know, if Jalen Carter somehow falls to 11, you obviously just fall all over yourself to draft yeah, him yeah, there. Yeah. But, like, realistically, it's it's like, Nolan Smith see, that's what I'm, I feel like we're getting into is it's it's not really position. It's the players that are there. So it's like Paris Johnson versus Nolan Smith versus Jackson Smith, Najibah versus one of the cornerbacks.
0: Yeah. I I agree. One cornerback could be there. I think two, at least two, if not 3 we'll go in the top 10. So I think there's, but again, there's only so many picks, right? Like there's only so many slots in the top 10. There's 10 of them. Uh, And we, and four of them could be quarterbacks, you know, Carter and Anderson are going to go. Tyree Wilson's probably going to go. Um, so then that you're already up to seven guys. So now you're looking at maybe two or three corners and then your pick of offensive tackle. So like there's good value at corner and tackle, I think are the two positions that we think if you're a Titans fan at 11, don't be surprised that if they're going best available and packaging it with need, it's probably Paris Johnson or one of the top three or four corners at that position. Um, a quick, quick Nolan Smith uh, thing. I know we're gonna talk about Georgia culture later. There's a tease for you. I was told he was largely a giant asshole to everybody at the combine. So Wow.
1: Well, it's uh, probably because he's a fucking liar. And remember when he said, uh, nobody's done more with less than University of Georgia. Fucking it, liar. It,
0: it doesn't mean that he's not going to be a good football player. Doesn't no. mean he didn't have a great career. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a good draft pick by somebody, Titans included. I was just told, and again, it's anecdotal. It's about how you treat people when you're going in and out of production rooms and meetings and talking to teams. And, and you're around a lot of people that work around the draft that are not on NFL teams, right? You're around media people. You're around staffers that run the event. And if you're just kind of being a dick, everybody, everybody notices. Everybody notices. So, um, uh, what about? So, round two, I think you're right. Tight end is great. I think interior offensive line, you could maybe get the best center in the draft potentially there.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, always I, I, a, I like Cody a Mock there. You know, I like the offensive lineman. Like it goes like it's all about what happens in the first, right? So, if you miss right. out on Paris Johnson, then. You, in the second round, I could see going offensive line there, then pushing tight in again, because really offensive line is the biggest it's the biggest need currently, you know, yep. whether that changes, that is the biggest need for this Tennessee Titans team. And there's opportunities because not just tackles to enter your offensive line, all three spots and left tackle. So there's a lot of opportunity for you to build and come away with three offensive linemen in this draft in the first three rounds or some mixture of two, then one later. Like there's just this opportunity for you to do that. In
0: in theory, you could end up with the number one tackle in the draft in the first round and the number one center or guard in the draft in the second round. In theory, I'm not saying it's likely or that they're going to do it, but there's a chance that they could take the best player at two positions along the offensive line with their first two picks right now, now wide receiver. I I think once you get into 41 territory in the second round, it's like a Dave Matthews band concert. Uh, Once you get to number 41, that is where you start to look at potentially what you want there. If you're going to go receiver is the best of the next tier. Like you need to have conviction over XYZ player being the best of the second tier, whoever you have on the first tier, whether that's Quentin Johnston, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, whoever you put on that top tier. You have to assume that probably three, four, five of them are gone, maybe more. You have to be convicted and go ahead of the run, right? Because there's going to be a run of receivers in the back end of the second round, into the third. You have to be convicted about your guy in that spot.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I I have a hard time. I think there's going to be like a wide receiver drought. I don't think there's going to be a wide receiver run. I I have a feeling that there's going to be I think there's going to be at least four, at least four go in the first round, and then okay. I think you could see maybe like two go in the second, and then maybe like three go in the third, which is a really that's a weak ass draft. It, receiver. Just a, what it is? It's just it's just <laughs> right. it, it just is a weak draft for wide receiver, and I think what will also happen and be telling is how much money is spent on these wide receivers that are hitting the free agent market, how many teams trade. Because that also signals if you're overpaying for a guy like Adam Thielen, that tells me that your team does not like anybody in this draft. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to tell you. That's going to give gauge you the give you the temperature of how the NFL feels about this wide receiver class as your free agency class. And at this point, man, like I I know it sounds crazy because I know it's a mock draft and doesn't matter, but like. There were still wide receivers in the fifth round yep. that I would start and draft on this team. Yep. Yep. And I think that's how it's gonna be.
0: I think the other angle you could play here at this spot, by the way, thanks to the Kingston Group for supporting us, buildkg.com, uh stacking the inbox, F words pod, all the other great shows from 440, but check out Kingston Group. Just keep just keep them in the back of your head. Uh, the, the other great str- I think the other reason I really like the Titans' position with this draft is you could, in theory, replace Taylor Lewan and Bud Dupree with your first two picks. And, and you, you could take a starting left tackle and a starting pass rusher at, at 11 and 41 and probably get a pretty valuable piece at both of those spots. Again, you could get the best offensive tackle. And because the pass rush class is so deep, you could get a guy that could be an instant impact player at 41. So, I
1: mean, especially as- because a guy, it just got reported by Justin Mello of Music City, Audible and uh, Media.com and the Draft Network. Last night, it was talking about tr- they're trying to work on an extension with demarcus walker now it's today it's demarcus walker's market is heating up Ooh. and so they're still trying to work on it but there's a good chance that they could lose out on demarcus walker too and as it so now you are literally left with harold landry Denico autry and rashad weaver and that is not a very they all have their issues yeah. of they all have their uh, areas of concern heading into the 2023 year. You need to sign an edge and draft an edge. And I would even say, even with Demarcus Walker, you need to sign an edge, draft an edge.
0: I am curious to see what they do in this space, because that's the one area of the team where it feels like they have been able to plug and play. Like they've been able to find guys off the street that they can develop. And that's a credit to the coaching staff and the defensive line staff. That's the one area where they just have found guys and sort of created ways to, to get production, you know, do they all of a sudden develop Rashad Weaver into a great run defender? I I don't know. Like that, that's a, that's a question. Um, but it could absolutely be a, be a part of it. Now in the third round, listen, aren't his charges still hanging out there too? Uh, there's stuff, there's stuff out there for sure. So, um, now if we, depending on what happens in the first two rounds, obviously this dictates what you do, but in the third round, um, there's still plenty of quality players on the board. We know often, we know middle linebacker could be a, a major a major player potentially. And frankly, maybe we should have mentioned that at 41. Like you might still be able to get a top two or three middle linebacker in the draft at 41 if you don't resign. I just David don't Long. think
1: it's that pressing of a need unless it's like it's unless it's someone that is like a only one other inside linebacker went in the first round and all that right. kind of stuff, or maybe no inside linebackers because they're kind of like tight ends and running backs. Right. Yep. You yep. could go a whole draft with that a first round draft without probably seeing the, you know, multiple of that position. So like, to me, it's like, it's not high. So it has to be someone special at number two.
0: Uh, would Jack Campbell qualify at 41?
1: Yeah, I think if he's so. on the board still? If he's still on the board, I mean, that seems like a very Titans-esque pick to go ahead and grab. <laughs> he
0: feels like such a Rabel Bull guy. Um, so I think I think once you get to the third round, it opens up real big. Like, all of a sudden, if you haven't taken a receiver, receiver's a major player. If yeah, the you worst taken year it-
1: to not have a comp- compensatory picks and all that kind of stuff, which John Robinson was horrendous, and the t- Tennessee Titans her- have pretty much been horrendous with managing the cap, and manipulating it to get compensatory picks. If
0: if you have not gone receiver, it's clearly there. If you have not gone interior line, it's probably still okay. very valuable. If probably you haven't inside gone, linebacker. If, if you haven't gone inside linebacker, there's probably some value there. If you trade Derrick Henry, you probably can take one of the best running backs in the draft in the mm-hmm. third round. Probably the guy that you like the most. I think that's probably unlikely, both the trade and the draft. But we have to mention it. I think it's prob- that's also a spot where you could get a pretty good tight end if you've gone offensive line. Let's say you go Paris Johnson and then you go p- pass rusher at 41. Really good chance to, you take a tight end or a receiver yeah. right there in the third round.
1: Yeah. It's just, to me, it's, it's like I've been saying for a while, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in the trade up, but like the first round pick is not where it's at really for, for me anymore. I would rather, Oh, I'm always pro trade back. Like, To me, you can do so much damage in the second to fifth rounds of these drafts that it's just go ahead and trade back and get it done. And this is one of those drafts where I just feel the same way that just go and trade back and get and do a lot of damage in these middle rounds.
0: Uh, other than acquiring DeMarco Murray and Ryan Tannehill in the trade market, probably this John Robinson's strength was like rounds two through f- four, like uh, yeah. two through five, obviously some misses in there, but a lot of really, really productive players uh, as, as well. So interesting to see what they do with the third round pick. I think I, w- I would love to see an extra third and an extra fourth. If you can move from 11 back to 21, let's say, and, and all, all of a sudden you've got an extra third and an extra fourth, and you still have like a late first round pick. I I think there's, that's where you can, fill your middle linebacker, your guard, your center, your tight end, your receiver, your yep. pass rusher, and your offensive tackle. And you can do it all before you get to round five, let's say. Um, what about the back end of the draft? And, and we can move quickly through this part, but they don't technically have a fourth right now, but fifth, sixth, whatever. Like where, where's the value in, in this draft class for those picks later on?
1: I, I think hey, still, ticker! I think wide receiver inside linebacker and edge, because they're just so deep. Cause wide, it's, it's weird, right? Cause so. Inside linebacker is a pretty deep class. Edge is a pretty deep class. So that lends you to having players available that you could probably start in these later rounds. Wide receiver is not deep. And thus, because not a lot of players are going to be flying off the boards, you're going to be able to find appropriate value to skill set in in these rounds. So that's where I'm kind of at. Remember, they have two six. So the six they're waiting for compensatory picks to come through because part of the Julio Jones trade is an Atlanta six. And if Atlanta, I guess is getting gets a six round pick that's higher or lower. I think that affects which six round pick for Atlanta they get. So they're going to have two six round picks to use in this draft and maybe even possibly use to move up. I I will
0: say just, just at the edge position that in general, there are not a lot of starting productive at pass rushers that are drafted outside of the top three or four rounds running backs tons of them receivers tons of them linebackers tons of them guards and centers tons of them T- tight ends a lot of tight ends that are productive outside of the, the first three or four rounds generally you probably need to go after edge a little earlier in my opinion but that's why i, see, I could see middle linebacker guard and tight end falling down the board because you feel like there's depth there, and you feel like you can find those positions later in the draft. But that's kind of standard. That's not necessarily tied to this draft class. Uh, tight end, I think, is the one where you can you can maybe wait. And if it's not Darnell Washington at 41, because you don't want like you want an elite starting guy, there's so many there's so much good value later in the draft at that position. So uh, running back is always like that. Middle linebackers kind of always like that as well. So anything else you want to say about the draft class and where the Titans sit in it? relative to their needs.
1: No, I, I mean, I think we covered a lot of it just because, you know, it's been... it The 11th pick has not been what it, it's been cracked up to be, but ultimately, it's yeah. still got value because, obviously, you could still get the best left tackle off the board, or you could trade back, possibly, uh, because the eleven is probably a little bit more enticing, or it actually puts you closer for a trade-up.
0: So... With that, nice segue, my man.
1: Uh, support uh,
0: local business. Remember the name, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com before you make any big decisions about your house. Make sure you always remember the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm and award winning, I might add. Which brings us to Matt Miller. Matt Miller, NFL draft scout from ESPN, of course, is going to be on the Lamestream Sports Podcast on Friday. We had about a 30-minute conversation with him about a lot of stuff, a lot of backstories. A lot of dark intel, a lot of fun stuff. But I had a chance to ask him about trading up. Now, my first question to him, and, and I, there's two questions in here when we're going to play this for you. But the first question was about trading up to number three. Are you comfortable with at least three quarterbacks? Is it either Anthony Richardson or Levis? If the Titans go up to the Cardinal spot at number three, are you comfortable with the top any of the top three falling to you? And here was Matt Miller's answer:
2: Trading up to three and saying we're going to be fine with whichever quarterbacks there essentially means Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Um, that three is too rich for me. I'll say that three is too high for me. I would not want to put my my job on the line at number three. Plus you would have to give up a wheelbarrow full of picks to go from 11 to three. So that might seem like really conservative of me to be like, no, I'm not. I would say, I mean, I would trade up for Will Anderson, but that's still too much to trade up for a defensive end. So as much like maybe they do want to trade up and and get a quarterback I would almost rather wait till next year. Uh, when you you're looking at Caleb Williams and Drake May, uh, as, as I think they will be better quarterback prospects than what we have in this class. So I would I would think this year, try to figure out the offensive line, try to get another pass rusher, maybe draft hand and Hooker in the second round, see what you can get there, and then if all else fails, head into the twenty four draft looking at quarterbacks. So
0: so you wouldn't go to three to take one of the top three, would you? Go to one or two to take one of the top two.
2: Probably not. I still think it's just too expensive. And and I'm not, I'm not convicted that these quarterbacks are like, and I really like Bryce Young. I really like CJ Stroud. I'm not convicted enough in the Titans situation to say one of those guys is going to be the answer. Like who's your left tackle right now? You know, who's your number one wide receiver? Who's your running back? (laughs) There are so many. So to me, again, I think this is a rebuild. I don't think this is, Hey, let's use, seven draft picks to go get a quarterback when we have no one to protect him, no one for him to throw to. And we might have to trade the guy he's going to hand the ball to, to get up there. So that's just not how I would go about things for this team.
0: There you go. Matt Miller on the trade up. So I've got a quick CJ Stroud story for you, but I want to get your thoughts, Zach on basically him saying it's not worth the trade, the trade up value. The team's not in that position to use all those picks. And that very clearly Caleb Williams and Drake may USC and North Carolina, respectively in next year's draft would grade out higher than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud.
1: I I don't here's the thing. I I hate the projecting of quarterbacks until they've actually completed their second season as a full-time starter. I mean, yeah, it's a projection, but let's be honest. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are graded pretty highly on most people's boards. I mean, they're the the, the number 1. Drake Williams could be number 2. Right. I mean, Drake Williams Drake, could be Drake
0: Williams. I like that. A combo of the two players.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, Drake, Drake. May, no, Drake you're May. right
0: about you're right about Drake. May only one year starting
1: only one year starter. I mean, and Caleb Williams is an Oklahoma quarterback. Oklahoma quarterbacks haven't traditionally been that well and done that well since Trent. <laughs> he just he just led
0: his team to the Super Bowl.
1: Well, that's an Alabama quarterback. <laughs> uh, but, but did he win? No, he didn't <laughs> win. And did, did he, he lead him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in the sense that all he's a locker right. room leader, right. but let's be honest, he it wasn't because of his passing skills. I,
0: I and, think your point is valid that, to me, Caleb Williams is the clear number one. He, yeah. We've seen, we've seen more of is, him. He's number one.
1: Yeah, and is he better than Bryce Young coming into the NFL? I'm not convinced yeah that he is the the better of the two he's the bigger of the two and i think that's i think that's what ultimately people are so wrapped up in but i we'll would not see, we'll take see.
0: i would not take drake may over bryce young i would yeah. take caleb williams
1: so if, if that's the case then you're still talking about bryce young still being the second best quarterback out of next year's draft class and then you got cj stroud I mean, how's he projected against Drake may so it, you know, like they're probably the same, but I think I may lean on the experience of CJ Stroud and his anticipation and accuracy a little bit more. Again, we haven't seen enough of Drake may. I don't, I don't understand. Let's pump the brakes on. I've always been one of those people that the, the people that project you know, Oh, here's the top 100 right, players right. in 2024. We haven't even seen them. Well, if they get injured, then where are you at? See, that's the problem with this. You have, I've always said that if you have conviction, go up and get it. You're not guaranteed in the NFL, especially with Mike Vrabel as your head coach, to be in a position better than what you're in now to trade up. Wow. I'm I'm all right with Caleb Williams and Drake may be in there, and I would love to have one of those quarterbacks. And Don't get me wrong. Right, Right. But we're talking about what's the for sure thing, and the for sure thing is what's in front of you.
0: I think the key is, the to your point, the gap is not large enough. This is not Andrew Luck next year. Right. Like, this isn't Peyton Manning next year. I mean, although Caleb is close, I think he's really good. I, I, the gap between Bryce and CJ and Caleb and Drake, Drake is not big enough to miss your window and your opportunity to make something happen now. I do think he's right that there's too many needs, potentially, to give up all the picks. I don't think that Rand's going to do it. I just don't think that they're going to sell that much. Now, you've always said it's all future number ones. It's not about – Okay, about this so there,
1: there's a report out today, right before we came on. There's a report. So let, let's break this report down. This is – the report is from Ben Devine, who is quoting David Kaplan. So David Kaplan of Kaplan and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000, unfiltered NBC, NBC Chicago NBC Sports Chicago. He said that a current NFL assistant has told him That he believes the Bears are going to get a 24 and 25 first, as well as a second or third in a trade down. Obviously, this year's first, too. So that's three first and a second or a third. If it's, and I tweeted, if it's three first and a third, the Tennessee Titans, that is a no-brainer for the Tennessee Titans if they feel that they are convicted about one of these quarterbacks. That is is so fucking cheap. That's ridiculously cheap.
0: Okay, so let's say it's C.J. Stroud. Which, according to reports, it could be. Uh, let me give you a quick because I, I gave you a quick little nugget on Nolan Smith. Let me give you the opposite nugget on C.J. Stroud. So these guys do all these things in this process, right? They're they're in meetings, they're in production rooms, they're talking to media, they're talking to staffers, they're talking to agents, they're talking they they're just talking to everybody all the time. It's just constant. And the story I got on C.J. Stroud was that he was the nicest human being of all of the players that came through. He was like cleaning up rooms for people after the fact, like putting clothes back on hangers and like doing stuff, like just wasn't hitting on all the girls. It was like just pure class and professionalism. Again, totally anecdotal doesn't mean that he's going to be a good quarterback, but it does give you a little bit more sort of like, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit more comfortable with the idea of spending a lot to go get him. Cause I think we already kind of know that about Bryce. Like I think Bryce young is that's already sort of well-established. But again, NFL GMs know all this stuff, and they hear all this stuff, and they are watching these guys at every moment during the combine, and to hear basically that everyone really enjoys CJ Stroud, the person, is a major positive if you're the Titans and you're going to go trade up and get a guy. That's all.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I'm okay if, he, if he's a dick, as long as he's good. Like, <laughs> I mean... I, I I just don't care. Like, hey, guess what? Malik Willis, you know, he fed that homeless person. Good for that homeless person. Good for Malik Willis and all that kind of stuff. But it, like you said, none of this stuff translates into the NFL. Maybe is it a good indicator of some certain red flags? Yeah, possibly. Like Kyler Murray obviously had like red flags coming out of his ass. Like, <laughs> like he was throwing red turtle shells and Mario Kart and banana pills <laughs> all over the Combine but he still went first, right? Like, ultimately, it's about what's on the field. And I, I, to me, you know, this whole situation of you have to give up too much, you're giving up maybes. Like, that is what you're trading. You're trading maybes. You're trading maybe you're trading a fourth fourth overall pick in 2023 because our 2024 draft, because, hey, Bryce Young gets injured or CJ Stroud gets injured. Right. but maybe you're trading away the 18th pick and that 18th pick could have been, uh, Isaiah Wilson's brother. That's going to be, <laughs> you know, high on cocaine right after you draft him. Like you're trading away maybes and possibilities and what ifs, yep. but if you are that convicted and I'm just, I just, I cannot stress it enough. It's like, I, there was someone that was on uh, Twitter. I think it was like Lucas sports LD or something like that on Twitter. Uh, he says, you know, I'm fine if they trade up to three because then it, that's only going to cost two firsts and a third. But I'm not fine with trading up to one. Well, that's one extra first round pick. Like to me, if you're going to trade up to third for a quarterback, trade up to first. It's one extra first round pick.
0: Well, I, I agree with you unless you are equally as convicted about Anthony Richardson, which it sounds like most scouts are not. and, yeah. and that uh, is,
1: Yeah, the, so. the, the hype, like we said, got way too out of control. Yep. He's go- Richardson will still go in the top 10, possibly yeah. the top five. But I do not think that trading up to me, if you're going to trade up the third, fourth quarterback, trade up for first be convicted about it just be yeah, I, convicted I'm, it's not worth the first round pick to gamble away nothing is yeah. certain in the nfl
0: I, i'm good with this and a lot of guys in the comments titanic james you're all saying look obviously Vrabel's is going to know a lot about cj stroud because of his connections to ohio state that's also the case with all the other ohio state players yeah. <laughs> like well that's Harris also, Johnson, that's also Jackson, the case with every
1: gm who knows ryan day by now like <laughs> which is
0: which is all on. of them
1: <laughs> there is no special connect there is nothing that Vrabel's is going to get out of right. Ryan Day, or any college team that no other team can get out of if they ask the right questions. Yep. Uh,
0: speaking of Mike Vrabel, I asked Matt Miller again. Uh, uh, more than a half hour conversation on Lane Stream Sports coming out on Friday. Make sure you check out that show. Um, I asked him about just Rancarthon in general, just your thoughts on Rancarthon getting the job and being a first time general manager. He was Matt Miller's response.
2: I mean, he's done an amazing job, and I think he has the pedigree you want. You know, obviously, um, a p- player college and pro had a lot of success in college and then he worked his way up you know this is not a. I think players have a hard time when it feels like something was gifted to you you know and for him it absolutely was not you know he grinded his way up in San Francisco and and I think um, I've talked to some players and they already say like they re- they really respect him and that, that he already seems like he connects well with people I think Tennessee is a rebuild I, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that word and I'm sorry but it's a rebuild and I think As much success as San Francisco had with unconventional methods, you know, late round picks, UDFAs, trades, free agency, you know, getting Trent Williams, they, they attacked it from every angle. And I think that's what Tennessee has to do. You obviously have a great head coach and and I think that'll be, that's probably what I'm most interested in is, is how well those two work together, you know, because they're both very strong personality, great guys, you know, but how are they going to mesh you know because it's different from what john robinson was it's very different so i think that'll be what i'm most interested in is how will do vrabel and Rand connect and, and work together
0: there you go matt miller um very high praise for for Rand cartham very high praise for mike vrabel nothing there that really is un- unusual or earth shattering but just how they approach the rebuild i think what's interesting is that both times i asked him about titan specific things he used the phrase "rebuild" both times, and we know that's. Uh, a- he obviously oh, no.
1: didn't listen to the podcast where I said we're not using that term anymore. <laughs> we're
0: not <laughs> blow up. No, nothing with "re" in the front of it. No resets, yeah, rebuilds, reverbs. None of the "re" stuff. Uh, but it, because but-
1: it, a rebuild is like what you've said, it's not. It's 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 a. If you're going to use a word, it's a remodel. But I, okay, I like okay. the word "blow up." <laughs> but like King, Kingston yeah, group, by the by Kingstein way, Kingstein yeah, so goes. like a rebuild means feels like it's going to take eternity. It's going to take years, and for the Tennessee Titans, it doesn't have to take that long. Like you've said in the NFL generally it could take up to a year to get it done and you can win while you're doing it. So glow up,
0: glow up. I like it. Um, I think what he said there that I thought was interesting was the relationship, which I think we've seen again. I don't know if rank Carthon would be there if he didn't work well with Mike variable in the first place, um, attacking it from a million different directions, I think is absolutely the right way to go. I do think, They're going to sign some pieces along the offensive line and free agency. I don't know about the receiving core, um, but I think they're going to go after some pieces in free agency. Um, Not a ton of them are all that much better than Taylor Lewan, unfortunately at tackle. So there's not, there's a couple of good options.
1: Oh, they're, they're Um, a lot better as long as they're available.
0: Yeah. And well, and one of them from uh, the kid from green Bay, by the way, probably, you know, you're not giving up a pick to go sign an RFA. Yeah, everybody's but...
1: really talking about this, uh, Yosh and Najima guy. I didn't think... And I'm like, why would we trade a no. second round draft pick? No, no, no. no. no.
0: So you're, you're, what, what's your reaction to Matt Miller's comments on Rand Carthon? Well,
1: it's just more of the same. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, not to like downplay the comments of, of ran Carthon as a, as a person or being well-respected by players or this or that, but it's stuff we've heard all before. I mean, I, I'm here for Rand Carthon, the, strategi- the strategist, not the other uh, strategist. There we, there we go. There we go. The strategist, not Rand Carthon, the uh, kumbaya around the campfire guy. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I am here for the strategy, and I think his strategy is correct. I don't think Rand Carthon is. Here, here's how I view it it took a few years for us to realize what John Robinson's strategy was when building the Tennessee Titans. What do you want to do in the draft? What do you want to do in the roster building? I don't think you're going to get an answer of what his strategy is for Rand Carthon in year one, just because he's going to be doing so much stuff. And maybe that's the strategy in and of itself is that he's not tied down to yep. any traditional strategies. He's going to do yep. and utilize all of his experience, everything in his power, multiple avenues to build a team that could win, maybe not the Super Bowl, but could be win and be competitive because that's what it's all about being in the NFL. When you're a former NFL player yep. like Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel, the importance of being competitive matters to the locker room. That's why That's why they're going to be doing so much different things. And that's why you can't rely on being in the top five or top three picks next year just because you think that the Titans suck right now.
0: I, I, yeah, I agree. And I think the two things to note about Miller's comments there, number one is, I, I will say this, Matt, and I'll speak for him on this, he will not say this, but Matt knows basically every level of player personnel director in every team he he knows he's he told me about a guy and he didn't give his name but on that interview about a guy who's like gone from area scout to like the third or fourth in command that's going to be a gm in like less than a year and he's like 35 years old like he so he no point is he knows how these guys have gotten to where they are and for him to say like this is a guy who grinded his way to the top and has earned every penny i think that's a really valuable observation and then i think what you just said which is that san francisco's approach is holistic they go at it from every different possible way and as are and they're creative as possible just like they are on the field and i think and those are things we kind of already knew but i think it's important when you look at the glow up that could happen here it's going to involve every possible uh, avenue it's undrafted free agents it's free agency it's trades it's draft picks it's it's everything it's developing young guys it's the scout team it's going to be everything and i think that's if, if you told me anything different that's when i would be like, what. (laughs) <laughs> right like, like that's when i would be concerned is if you told me something different than that so uh if you want to listen to the entire interview lots of really good good stuff there on the combine and about the titans and about football and about quarterbacks and you know all kinds of stuff so make sure you check that out lame stream sports everywhere you get your podcast check out the kingston group as well lamar jackson um you you've got a couple of pieces make sure you check out uh stack uh first one out today next one out tomorrow i, I guess what did lamar jackson expect to happen here I just and I don't know why Titans fans are reacting. I mean, I guess they they just kind of react this way on Twitter all the time. I'm just not sure what's the obsession with like the Lamar. Like this is this is a Baltimore Ravens front office that's extremely talented and good at what they do. It's Lamar Jackson without an an agent and has some risks that maybe turn off some general managers and coaches. Um and I like he's clearly better than Ryan Tannehill. It's hard to acquire. I know you're gonna lay out in the inbox how to go get him and how it could work contractually. I just isn't he just gonna end up back in Baltimore for a contract that's less than what he wanted?
1: Uh well, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's still <laughs> gonna be a good contract for him. But he just overvalued himself and overplayed his hand. And that's what happens when you don't have an agent and kind of rein you in and say, Well, that's not really what the market's gonna be. Because I talk about it in my piece. It's a it's a mouths wide open party. So instead of eyes wide shut, it's a mouths wide open party <laughs> at the combine at night.
0: I, I think there were some mouths wide open in the eyes wide shut movie, by the way. Yes, well, there definitely were.
1: <laughs> but in this in this sense, is that everybody's drunk and blabber mouthing. And it would be sure would be great if you had representation oh, while God. the raving Ravens are there talking about your contract situation, what you're wanting, what your demands are, because they are. If you had an agent there, because agents are always present, they're always lingering, and they're all they, you would be able to have your story being told and your side of things being told. And right now, all the signs, because I, I, I know that like Stephen A. Smith and um, I think it was Ryan Clark are bringing up, I think even RG three are bringing up the 133 million fully guaranteed. Well, that was last year, okay. That was, that was last summer, and he turned that down. And he also told, he himself told Diana Rossini that he turned down upwards of 160 to 100, 180 million in total guarantees last year. Okay. Not fully guaranteed, the 133 fully, and then you get incentives to get you up to that other number or right. base salaries get triggered later on down the road. But he turned that down. So it is with negotiations having continued. That it was the floor once they restarted in renegotiations. So they have came up from that number, and isn't that even the 133 is like second best fully guaranteed money, the second most fully guaranteed money, and then it's the fourth best for the actual guarantees. If he got up to 180, 189 fully or total guarantees in Kyler Murray's contract. So to me, it's like, okay, they're probably still hovering around 135, 145, 150 and fully guaranteed. And they're probably up to 190, 200 in total guarantees, right? Yep. Yep. That's a good damn contract, but he has nobody to tell him that they're not yeah. going to do a fully guaranteed contract. And that's the, that's the collusion, by the way. I think people are thinking that everybody's colluding against Lamar. No. The NFL colluded after Deshaun Watson got his contract at NFL owners' meetings, and they all agreed we're not doing that shit. I
0: we're would argue doing- I would argue NFL owners have been colluding every year of the NFL. Well, existence. yeah, but I mean
1: like <laughs> you can't prove it anyway. But we all no, know no, of happening. Yeah. and it's it's but that's what they colluded against back then. It didn't matter if this player was Joe Burrow, it doesn't matter if this guy was Matt Stafford, doesn't matter if it was uh uh Justin Herbert nobody's getting a fully guaranteed contract and where they start making that the norm yeah. and that's what someone needs to tell lamar jackson because he does not understand that at least i, I what- think
0: i think there's a lot of like i want to ask like what should the titans learn from this situation but like there's not lamar is such a unique case because he doesn't have an agent because he does have some unique risks because he is a unique talent and has unique skills um and it's just a unique situation i don't think there's really anything to be, it's following the Deshaun Watson situation. I just think there's not a whole lot to be learned from this other than make sure you have representation. So yeah. I, I, other than that, I don't think that it, it translates much. Can you give us a tease as to what's coming up on the inbox? Cause maybe people maybe, maybe are listening to this after it's already come out ha, that you think there's a, there's an actual possible, like not, not that it's possible going to happen, but just there's a, there's a way that the puzzle pieces could fit together to where the Titans could be interested.
1: Yes. Yes, right, me
0: yes hit, I do. Give me a tease. Give me a
1: tease. Um, hmm, what's a good tease? I would say that... This rewards I, those I, of you who listen live. I, I'll tell you what. I have a contract right before me that ha- that I constructed that gives you a $24 million cap hit in year one. Okay. So this year. So that it would only cost you $24 million. And don't forget, you save a minimum... There's a little hint, a minimum of 17.8 if you cut Ryan Tannehill or trade away Ryan Tannehill. A minimum of 17.8. So when you look at that, that's only like what a six grand increase or six million increase in cap hit minimum. Just saying. So it's, so it's possible. Unlikely. I think it's, I think it's highly possible. The Patriots just came out and said they're not interested in uh uh Lamar Jackson so that puts you up to the Patriots Falcons Commanders Dolphins and Panthers have all said that they're not interested Mm. in Lamar Jackson currently with conflicting reports about the Raiders and I will say this I will say this illusion by the way yeah it sounds (laughs) that that, this is what's going to happen as soon as Lamar Jackson says I'm not going to take a fully guaranteed contract depending on whenever that is and I think it, people still may make him wait till after the NFL draft and after free agency, some of these teams are going to be back in. But that has to happen first.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: I agree with that. And the draft, uh, that, I think, is going to have to happen for a lot of these teams as well.
0: It, and in some of those teams, Titans included, could do something big and grab a quarterback, and all of a sudden they're taking themselves out of that conversation. Yeah. So either way, Lamar has uh, deleveraged himself almost every step of the way.
1: So I mean I um, got it. Maybe I need to send him the stack in the inbox uh, article and see if I can become his agent. I know I have to be certified. Speaking of being certified, uh, Jeffrey Simmons' agent um has negotiated zero NFL contracts by the way.
0: Yeah. That's that's good for the Titans, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see.
0: <laughs> maybe it's ta- yeah, maybe it's bad. <laughs> um know. all right, so there you go. We'll see what happens with Lamar. Quarterbacks, the carousel is starting to stop. People are picking, you know, the, the music is stopping in the musical chairs and they're all starting to pick their spots. So uh, I guess Aaron Rodgers will make a decision at some point that that'll be a big domino that'll fall pretty soon here. Uh, and then we'll figure out about that. And then as we as we continue to look at all these pieces still
1: crossed, I know a lot of stuff's coming out about the Jets. But one thing that Aaron Rodgers has always said. Is that do not listen to the media. Because I have my own circle of trust, and yeah. I don't, anybody's talking to anybody right now, except for the Jets are telling the ESPN and putting all this stuff out there. And uh, right now, court,
0: they're just courting him. They're just courting. Him. Yeah, um, I, so I, I do, do think I do, to go back to Green Bay. I do think Seattle is not um, in the boat to trade up and grab a quarterback, though. So no, I, I, I don't
1: think they are either. I, I mean, I think that's I haven't Geno Smith's contract numbers have not officially like been laid out where you know everything that you need to know to see when he can be cut and all this stuff. But the money that they're spending, I think that you could look at them being like a landing spot for a Jay Caner, a Clayton tune, yep. a yep. hidden hookers, you know, someone like yep. that.
0: Yep. I, I agree with that. Um, that just about does it. I think for our NFL news today, I, we've only got a few more minutes left on the show. Uh, we can touch on this Georgia stuff. Um, I, I, this is what I would say, because we've talked about it a lot on Fringe Element. We've talked about it a lot uh, across the board. I, I just think that there's two different. I don't like culture as a cliche to describe sort of bad behavior by young people when they're super successful. I, I think it's that's more like Art Briles at Baylor covering up like sexual assault and Joe Paterno at Penn State. Like that's creating a culture that they is is they're, they're actively creating a bad culture. I think what happens to college football programs and, and again, Nolan Smith at the combine kind of just being a D bag to everybody is what happens is it's just empowerment and entitlement. No one tells, you no. it happens to every football program. It happens. It happens at Alabama. It happens at USC under Pete Carroll. It just kind of happens when you're the number one team. And the great, the difference is the greatest coaches who ever lived who keep their teams at dynasty levels. If Georgia's is going to become a dynasty, and stay at this level for the next 10 years, this is where Kirby Smart has to prove that the system works over the individual. And that is, you know, that's kind of where they are right now. We're going to find out over the next couple of years, because you can't have this many people driving 110 miles an hour, drunk as hell at two in the morning, and, and just be like, it's okay. You, you can't. Right. And this goes back to Isaiah freaking Wilson. Like, Isaiah Wilson is part of this. Well, this clearly, also let
1: you know that that you know everybody said well the you know Georgia they all said that Isaiah Wilson was a really nice guy, dude. You cannot believe anything that these that these scouts say or the yeah. are the not the scouts but the uh, I the guess teams. the coaches and the yeah. team say. Yeah that you hear out in public. It's like the people who said, well, I've heard Anthony Richardson had a really great interview and blah, blah, blah. And he started sky and, you know, all this stuff. Well, they said the same thing about Malik Willis. And what you really come to find out is that those interviews are just the agents pumping out shit that doesn't (laughs) even matter. And that's untrue. So this whole thing, I don't think George is coming for some like Epic collapse where, you know, it's, it's going to be crazy or anything, but they do for the sake of other people's livelihoods that are out in the streets in Georgia, uh, they need to get a grip on this. And it's, it's also for the betterment of the player themselves. Right. I mean, like you need to have standards and rules and conduct and all this stuff. And, you know, that's one of the thing that's really, you know, been throwing me for a loop with, um, The Alabama basketball basketball. program right now is just like... That's a great example. they're, they're, They're playing so well, but I personally, I just can't root for them right now. I can't get invested because, you know, they have a guy on their team. Also, just what SEC Player of the Week, like, what are we doing here as a society to... I know it's innocent until proven guilty and all that kind of stuff, but maybe he shouldn't get the benefits of doing stuff until he's actually proven innocent.
0: So, and I'll say this about like it's not a surprise. Like, let's just put it this way: it's not a surprise that Nate Oates has been tone deaf and maybe mishandled all of this stuff from an accountability standpoint. Kirby Smart is in a he is at a he's at a position right now in his program where they're the best program in college football, and if they want to stay there, he has to create an accountability system. And it's not even just from the coaches and the athletic director; it's almost within the player system. That's what made Saban so great: is that Saban makes it appear. It's, it's your responsibility to your teammate. And that's what's... And again, Saban's dealt with his problems too. There's no question right. they've had guys arrested. But they haven't had like 12 arrests in 13 months with like nine guys driving 100 miles an hour and like nothing has happened. Like Jalen Carter, like Nolan Smith, 89 and a 45. Like Kenny McIntosh put a woman in a hospital. Like there's all, all, there's a lot of guys that have done a lot of weird shit in cars late at night that's really, really reckless. And no one's really had any punishment for it. Not even from Georgia, but just from like the law. <laughs> Right. If you get pulled over doing, if I get pulled over doing 89 and a 55, there is going to be some repercussion for me. Um, So this is Todd Downing. Yeah, exactly. But this is what happens when you, these little college bubbles, when you are the best of the best of the best, and that's what Brandon Miller is at Alabama. When you are the best, the empowerment and the entitlement and the lack of accountability and the lack of transparency naturally creeps in. The spotlight gets brighter on your program. And therefore it's Kirby didn't create this Les miles covered up sexual assault at at LSU. That's Mm create, that's actively creating a bad culture. Kirby didn't create this. This is just what happens. It's now his job to fix it though. Moving forward. Right. That's where we're at. So, um, and, and again, this happens this, if Tennessee and Josh Heupel are winning the sec East year after year after year, because they're so good, it's going to happen there too. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's part of 18 to 22 year olds gaining power and success and then you got to learn how to deal with it and that's where we're at with georgia <laughs> they got really good players though <laughs> yes they definitely you see a, do you fucking they need, georgia needs to sign an nil deal with uber or lyft right now right right now for every player to always have a free ride home just like the nfl and then there's no excuses ever no excuses. again no excuses don't drink and drive idiots yes uh all right kingston group we appreciate you guys for supporting us of course buildkg.com. thanks to all you guys in the questions for hanging out I'm, speaking of basketball I'm, I'm gonna head down to bridgestone right now otherwise thanks for hanging out check out stacking the inbox check out f words pod at f pod on twitter you get to me at Braden golf and zach i am Braden. have a great weekend everybody we'll talk to you on monday